Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Last week, we touched on Penn State's winter workouts in regards to the offense. This week, it's all about the defense, considering that spring practice begins this coming Monday. Uh, the team is allotted 15 practices in a permitted 34 days, and the blue-white game, of course, is April 23rd. So some big mile markers this offseason. Um, I understand that a lot of Penn State fans' attention is on the quarterback position, the offensive line, and deservedly so. However, Matt and I are here to tell you that you really need to be interested, worried, or excited about some of the changes for the defense heading into the 2022 season. We're going to start talking about the defensive line. We're going to move into the linebacking core. Then we're going to touch on corners, and we're going to end on safety. So this is a big addition of the Pater podcast because, frankly, there's a lot happening with Manny Diaz at the helm. So before we go any further, I want to thank you all for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. It's that time of year as college basketball has taken center stage with the tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to get started. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater Podcast. Now, I encourage you all to check out the Citrus IPA and the Silent Disco IPA. However, I wonder if you've checked out the Double Citrus IPA. It's a big fan favorite. Beer Advocate has given it a score of 93 out of 100. It only arrives once a year, just in time for March. And all the good things that happen in March. For instance, tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. And of course, March Madness is upon us. The Double Citrus IPA is available now in Funk's Tap Rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York. Of course, you can find Funk Brewing products at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. And speaking of Funk's Tap Rooms, we want to let you know that the Tap Room in Emmaus has moved locations. Now there's even more seating available in a very comfortable environment, plus a big screen and several more TVs just in time for March Madness and a permanent Flavor Nation food truck on site. For more information on the new Emmaus location and more, visit funkbrewing.com especially to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. So Matt, I, I touched on it there moments ago. Uh, when we talked about the offense last week, Mike Yersich is coming back as the offensive coordinator. So there aren't a ton of surprises in terms of the coaching staff, the scheme. It's very different uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Granted, Manny Diaz, former head coach at the University of Miami, brings a similar style that James Franklin wanted for the defense in terms of that turnover with Brent Pry leaving to take the head coaching job at Virginia Tech. We expect something very similar, but as someone who's been through winter workouts and been through these off seasons, I know obviously as an offensive player, um, when a defensive coordinator or any coordinator comes in this time of year, what is that change like? You know, yeah, look, it's difficult for everyone, you know, and it's even different for the new position coach or the new coordinator, Tom, because you, you got to remember, like, 
he's just getting used to that environment as well. Um, but when you look at Manny Diaz, right, he, he's testing his players mentally right now, right? How fast can you pick this up? Are you understanding the playbook? And, and you know, I really think everyone has a clean slate with him, right? You got to remember, he knows nothing about these players, right? He knows nothing about who can play, right? Obviously, you watch film of the games, right? Oh, this guy shows up on tape. This guy does well. But what else do we have? Who else can play for us? Who else can make an impact? You have to prove yourself to him. Prove you can play all over again. And the winner that time right now is how you do that. And again, look, we know it's Diaz's show, right? The way James Franklin coaches, very little to no input when it comes to the offense and defense. So these players need to prove that they can play for Manny Diaz. They can adapt to his system. Um, and they can adjust and they can do exactly what he wants day in and day out, week in and week out, game in and game out. You know, it's, it's funny, Tommy, you know, we talked a lot about the winter workouts and, you know, players that show up and, and, and what's expected from players with experience and guys that have played. And it, it, it determines where you're going to be when the spring starts, right? You can't go through the motions during the winter and expect to play. You can't go through these winter workouts and expect the team to respond to you when the spring starts. Every day you're watched, every day you're evaluated. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, you know, this dude had a great offseason on day one of spring ball. It translates. Right? It makes the spring that much easier for you. Um, it makes it easier for the coaches to give you uh, an opportunity, Tom. There's a lot of uh, change happening on the defense, and it's amazing because you and I talked about it so much last season. The defense was great. The defense was the reason why Penn State was in a lot of games uh, far more than they had any right to be, and it was a bend but not break defense. Obviously, some very talented guys are moving on to the NFL. You lose Jaquan Brisker at safety. Arnold Ebiketti, the pass rush for the entire mm -hmm. season. Derek Tangelo is gone. Ellis Brooks is gone. Brandon Smith is gone. Tariq Castro-Fields is gone. Um, it's wide open at a lot of different positions. So I want to start with the defensive line because you talk about some of the guys that are returning. The unfortunate thing is that they're returning from injury. Uh, the biggest one and maybe the best defensive player that Penn State will have in 2022 is P.J. Mustafer at defensive tackle. Obviously went down in the Iowa game and was lost for the season. Um, by all reports, himself plus Adisa Isaac, uh, mm -hmm. defensive lineman who was injured during the summer. Allegedly, it was an Achilles injury. We don't know for sure. Um, he apparently is right on schedule in terms of his recovery. So uh, Hakeem Beeman is another guy who's in that same boat recovering. So while it's promising, it's still concerning. But uh, let's start with that group that I just mentioned, the the walking wounded, so to speak, of Mustafer, uh, Beeman, and Isaac. What do you think about their you know development at this point in the offseason? I honestly think, Tom, and you mentioned development. That's the perfect word for it. If they can continue to develop, I think this defensive line has the strength or has the chance to be the strength of this defense if the DNs perform as well. And you mentioned Mustafer, so I'll start there. I can't stress enough how important it is to have this dude back. Like, this is going to be a massive year for him. I think this is the type of year, Tom, where you put it all together. And what I mean by when you put it all together, his play will match his leadership. You know, and I think a perfect example or something to compare that to would be the type of year Jordan Hill had 
in 2012, mm. where you dominate week in and week out. And I'm not just talking about dominating in terms of stats and production and tackles and sacks. I'm talking about guys double teaming you. Teams, you know, there's a point of emphasis each and every play where it's like, all right, we got to find out where is this guy? How do we block this guy? Where you're the main focal point um, for these teams that like, we know we have to stop you to be successful. You know, and when you look at Mustafer, you know, I, I think you learn something from being injured as well, right? Just how special mm -hmm. the game is, how fast it could be taken away from you. I think this year, this spring, you know, this summer training camp, I think this will be the best version of PJ Mustafer that we will see. Now, Tom, with that being said, I don't need to see him out there every day at practice during this spring. Right, we know oh, what he can highly bring. unlikely any exactly. of the three guys we just mentioned are even going to touch the field during spring practice, blue white game. Like, if you're lucky, these guys are going to be good to go by August, and hopefully, good to go by the yeah. start of the season. And it seems like, and it seems like they're on pace, right? Everything's yes. going well, right? But that's the thing too. Like, you, you can't afford to rush these guys back to have them tweak anything. If they're going to play, if they're going to get reps, let it be that. Let them get their reps, get them feeling good, but get them out. Um, you know, I think what's important, Tom, is now you need to find who you can surround a guy like PJ Mustafer with. So he's not getting double team. So teams just can't prep to stop him and then expose everyone else. You, you mentioned Akeem Beeman. He, 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 I mean, he has to continue to develop. Um, expectations are certainly high for a player like him. You know, Kazayan Ellie's right slowly got better as 2021 went on. You know, all of these guys have experience. Nothing should be new for them anymore. Right now, right here during this spring, it's about putting it all together um, and taking that next step to now everything translates, right? You start making plays, sacks, tackles. You really start understanding you know, what, what offenses are trying to do. Um, there's a great quote from PJ Mustafer. Uh, this was at the conclusion of the 2021 season, but he said uh, in terms of his recovery, uh, quote, it's definitely tough. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you saying it's easy to always be a beat. I think this injury for me has been more mental than physical. I can do the physical part. I can put the work in each and every day, but having that mental awareness and having that mental strength each and every day when you're not out there doing what you love is hard, but you've got to work at it each and every day. Sometimes it's more challenging than others. When I'm around those guys, when I'm around my teammates or coaches, and I'm in the building or I'm outside of the building with my guys, that's when I feel better. I'm not worried about anything else but the supporting them and they're supporting me so i've definitely definitely appreciated that you talked about last week you know winter workouts are a grind they're, they're brutal it's a, you know it's a time of year where there's no real spotlight these are the times when champions are made so to speak to use the old cliche um but this is the perfect time if that's what he needs mentally pj needs to be around his teammates and coaches and he's not necessarily taking part in a lot of these things you know it's more the mental rep this is the perfect time for him to be supported by the team because you are so closely knit this time of year. He's doing his rehab and just maybe this is just the right environment for him. And he's got those guys, as we talked about, unfortunately, uh, Isaac and Beeman, who are also doing rehab at the same time. There's going to be a bond there, you hope, that is going to anchor this defensive line. Because as you mentioned, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of guys with potential, but big asterisks next to their names. Absolutely, Tom. And this is a perfect time for somebody else to step up and say, you know what? Yeah, we do have a few guys that are banged up, but I'm here and I can produce for you each and every day. You know, I think back to 2012, we had a lot of uncertainty at the wide receiver position. Our two leading wide receivers from the previous season weren't on the roster anymore. We had a guy by the name of Brandon Mosby Felder, who going into the 2012 season, Tom, had seven career catches. 
you know, and this is a guy throughout the winter, throughout the spring, summer, training camp, whatever you asked him to do, he was there. He was a quiet guy who worked his tail off to get better every single day. Um, he was well prepared, right? He became a guy that as a quarterback, you can count on in practice and you can count on in the games. And again, that's where it started. Started in the winter and led into the spring, led into the summer. Um, and into training camp, ended up having 31 catches for us and over 400 yards. Average over 14 yards a catch became a real, uh, you know, downfield threat for us, and became that number two wide receiver behind a guy by uh, by the name of Allen Robinson. Uh, <laughs> Very so what, valuable role player, most people. What I'm was. saying, what I, what I'm saying is that you know that's what can happen right now for these guys and for these players. It's improvement every day. The coaches and the players see the production, and then all of a sudden you become a big part of the plan and a big part of, of the team, man. Um, you know, so you, you can't take this time too lightly. This is crucial to these players. Um, you know, because, because again, man, you're evaluated every day. I want to talk about you know, some of those other names that I mentioned kind of have a, an asterisk next to their name, or it's just kind of like the, the perpetual let's wait and see. Um, Nick Tarburton, we saw a little bit of him uh, throughout the season, played uh, a fair amount in the Outback Bowl. Uh, Zariah Fisher, Amin Vanover, uh, Devon Townley Jr., Smith Vilbert, again, we saw a good amount of him. Jordan Vandenberg, who I thought had a great showing uh, in the Outback Bowl. Uh, and then Devon Ellis and Koziah Izzard, two guys who you mentioned before. We've been talking about these guys since this podcast started. That group has been consistently talked about as, hey, there's competition there's opportunities. The defensive line really got itself shored up last season in September when you had Ebiketti, the transfer, looked really, really good. Tangelo, another transfer, looked great. Mustafer was rocking and rolling. And then Jesse Lucetta was playing defensive end. So all of a sudden, that starting lineup looked good. It was a question of these rotational guys getting in there. Now it feels like there's even more opportunities. And I think you hit the nail on the head in that there, there's, there's guys within the interior of the defensive line but who are the guys who are going to get after the ball? Who are the guys who are going to get after the quarterback my, uh, is my point. And I'm looking at young guys, frankly. I'm looking at some incoming freshmen. Uh, Zane Durant is a name that jumps to mind. Now, granted, plays defensive tackle, but apparently during winter workouts, he's been outstanding. Um, and it's one thing to be a workout warrior. But the other guy I, I want to get your opinion on, not only Durant, but deny Dennis Sutton, five-star defensive end, What's the likelihood these two guys are able to step in immediately and make a difference? Yeah, well, before I go, you know, uh, go into Tarburton, uh, you know, and the rest of those DNs that have been on the roster, I'll start with the Young Bucks, man. You know, Dennis Sutton, like, obviously, he won't be there until the summer, but mm -hmm. obviously, he's worth mentioning. He's worth talking about right now. He's an explosive guy, man. Um, you know, great ability to anticipate the snap count. You know, I mean, enjoyed watching his tape, you know. He plays high, though, Tom, right? He needs to get a lot lower. Um, a lot of times his first move is vertical instead of pushing forward. You know, you ever see those, like, defensive line shoots where the guys, like, <laughs> fire out of the three-point stance? They have to stay yep. low. Like, yeah. yeah you got to be like this I, the whole time. I envision, yeah. 90-degree angle. I envision him spending a lot of time, you know, on that when he shows up at Penn State. But, look, this guy has all the physical tools you need to be successful. His big arms, long legs, man. He's a high-cut dude. Um, I think he sees really well. He understands what offenses, you know, are doing. That's important, you know, for for a young kid just just heading into college. Um, but uh, you know, he's certainly a name for watch for when training camp starts, Tom. But I think if you're hoping for him to contribute right away, I don't know if I would count on it. It seems like he still needs a lot of work. Whereas Zane Durant, I think he can make an immediate impact. He's going to make 
a much bigger impact than a guy like Dennis Sutton would. I think he's more ready to play. His lateral movement is great. He's got great, strong hands. He splits double teams really well. Um, I think he immediately fits into that competition with guys like Tarbert and uh, Smith-Filbert. Um, and again, because that position is up for grabs, so there's no reason as to why he won't get looked at or he won't get a shot. And Speaking to Tar Burton, you know, Isaac Smith Filbert, like Tar Burton, like he has experience now, right? There's no more excuses. He needs to produce. Yes. He needs to produce right now. Um, and again, which he can't. Um, and again, nothing, there should be nothing new to him this spring in terms of what he's seen offensively. Obviously, with Manny Diaz's defense, he's going to need to learn to understand how to play in that system. But what he's seen from quarterbacks, wide receivers, D tackles, tight ends, whatever it may be, nothing should be new. The ability for him to grow is right there. And for Adisa Isaac heading into year four, I mean, this is it, right? But I think he, he, he needs to be patient. The staff needs to be patient with him as well because I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get back to where he once was. And, and Smith Vilbert, right, got experience in the Outback Bowl, three sacks, made a big statement. I mean, that mentally that has to feel good, mm -hmm. knowing that, all right, I'm getting my shot and I proved it, right? You know, I think, and not just him though, when you look at the rest of these DNs, Tom, contain needs to be a lot better. Preventing mm. quarterbacks, running backs, everybody from getting outside and getting the edge. And where that comes into play, and we're going to talk about it in a second, is these linebackers. Because Penn State linebacker, you, right, ability to replace linebackers year after year, there are some holes at the linebacker spot here in 2022 heading into the spring. And I want to get to that here in a second. Uh, notably, in regards to defensive ends, uh, Penn State has struck out a bit in the transfer portal. They went after Jordan Dominic from Georgia Tech. He went to Arkansas. And then uh, Gabriel and Grayson Murphy uh, were formerly at North Texas. They're headed to UCLA. Obviously, a package deal would have been fantastic there getting the siblings. Um, and apparently, Penn State is still eyeing uh, O'Shawn Mathis from TCU. Um, so it's not necessarily that reassuring. And all those guys that you just mentioned that are not necessarily incumbent starters and the guys of like, hey, when are you going to make the leap? It's free agency. And we've talked about this a lot now with the transfer portal, NIL, all the flexibility the players have is that it's similar to what we see in the NFL. It's like, oh, you drafted a guy at my position. You must not be thrilled with what I'm doing. Yeah. There's clearly concern from the coaching staff about being able to solidify not only the defensive end position for whatever your needs are, but to get pass rushers. So uh, I'm curious if Penn State actually does land somebody from the portal. If it's if they strike out, it's got to be like, all right, we're going to rock and roll with the guys we have. Um, and, and that does create the questions, as you mentioned, with the linebacking core. At linebacker, to a degree, it feels like Curtis Jacobs against the world. Right. Um, there was the uh, transition recently. Jonathan Sutherland is officially listed as a linebacker. Um, I wanted to ask you how you felt about that move specifically, assuming it's Jacobs and Sutherland as your as two of your starting linebackers. I, I remember we were talking about the Luketta move from right. <laughs> linebacker to DN, and we were like, I don't know if that's gonna work out. I don't know, but I mean <laughs> that did. guy's it did. It did. That that guy's a special athlete. That guy's a different dude. I think that move is easier for a player. Right, because so many linebackers these days, you have to be able to play on the ball, you have to be able to play off the ball. But man, when, when you're a you know 205, 210 pound safety, and they're saying, "All right, man, we know you played safety, we know you've been a member of our secondary for the past four years, but guess what? For you to come back to Penn State here in 2022 for your fifth year, we're going to move you to Sam linebacker." That's hard to ask somebody, or really is. And I know he's been a great leader, but the product, the production. 
just wasn't there the past four years at the safety position. Again, that's a tough spot to ask somebody to do. Um, I think from a mental standpoint, he seems like a guy that he could do it, which is why they're asking him to. But physically, I don't know how that's going to pan out. Um, you know, we'll see how that plays out throughout the course of the spring. Are they going to rotate a million different guys into that spot? We don't know. We'll see. Obviously, Curtis Jacobs is somebody that if you're a new linebacker, you can rely on a guy that's done you know some some great things. You know, for Penn State, obviously, you know, play a lot of great football in 2021. But you look at the rest of the spot. Is it is it Tyler Elson? Is it Kobe King? Like, we don't know, Tom. There's so much uncertainty behind Jake, uh, Jacobs that this position group, that might be the group to watch throughout this spring. I mean, Elson has played sparingly defensively. I mean, he was he was a special teams player in 2021. You know, got some experience in the bowl game. But other than that, not much. And they didn't want, if you remember, you look back, they didn't want to burn Kobe King's red shirt last year. Mm-hmm. So what's that saying? This guy needs more time. We're just not comfortable with where he's at right now. I mean, it's all about how he's developing in the winter and in the spring. I think this is the spot to be concerned about for Penn State right now, heading into the spring. Um, and with the experience at the end, but the maybe the lack of production that we saw last year, there's just so much unknown. They need really need to figure out this this linebacker spot here if these DNs can't catch up to where they're supposed to be. And remember, last year the base defense was a four-two-five. Now, granted, that was because the secondary was fantastic, and you know we talked about the defensive line. You could get away with Ebiketti being the lone pass rusher essentially because that secondary was so freaking good. We're going to get to the corners and the safeties here in a minute because it's going to be different this year. I'm not saying it's going to be nearly as good as what it was, but I don't think it's going to be bad. But my point being is the linebacking core, even more so than those defensive linemen we just talked about. These guys who have been in the system for a while, I've got to start to step up. I, I remember having a conversation with Thomas Frank Carr from Blue White Illustrated immediately following the Outback Bowl, and I asked him about Tyler Elsden and Charlie Catchier, who played a fair amount in that game. And the way he described it is, quote, those guys need to cook a little while longer. Well, now, to the point you just made about Kobe King, um, there's been a lot of positives said about him in camp and the fact that he is pushing uh, Elsden and Catchier, and then also Jamari Budden is a guy mm-hmm. who is in the mix as well. So it's not necessarily encouraging for the guys who've been in the system for a little while that they're maybe losing that battle. And and again, that's something spring practice curious to see what the results are curious to see what those guys do in the blue white game in terms of who goes out there and really shines. Um, You talked about Curtis Jacobs. Uh, I I thought it was really encouraging to hear his comments on Manny Diaz and saying that their relationship has been great. Uh, Jacobs said, quote, I can tell you we're going to have a really good connection. I've been getting extra time with him because as a linebacker, I have to be able to relay his message. I have to be the guy that can really be on the same wavelength as him all the time. So I'm still trying to feel that out. It's definitely been great. I learned a lot of stuff from him. Meanwhile, Tyler Elsden has said about Manny Diaz that he's high energy, um, preaching that you got to finish, and there's an intensity that's being put out there. I'm thrilled to hear that Curtis Jacobs is picking up where Lucetta and Ellis Brooks left off because that leadership is going to be critical. You talked about Jonathan Sutherland moving from safety to linebacker. It's almost this attempt to split the responsibilities that Jaquan Brisker had I think we took for granted how well he played in the box, how well he could play close to the ball, and then also play man's own coverage better than most safeties in America. So there is a void that they're trying to split the difference, it seems. Here's the thing, too, Tom. Remember how well, and this I'm 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 hopping into the secondary now. Remember how well Daquan Hardy played at that nickel position last year. Yes. So I think if you have 
you know, a, a lack of guys that are able to produce at the linebacker spot, you play more nickel with, da- with Daquan Hardy in at that spot. But if you do that, do you have a third corner that can produce for you? Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it's really it's going to be interesting to see how Manny Diaz handles this um, and how he use it, utilizes the talent because there's no shortage of talent. Right. Obviously, there is. It's just the ability to develop these guys and, and to go out there and, and execute and uh, and produce. So we're going to touch on uh, the corners and then we're going to end with safeties here in a moment because there's a lot to get into. But before we go any further, I want to let you all know that all of us involved in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $203 million in the fight against childhood cancer. And again, we want to congratulate everyone who helped make THON Weekend 2022 possible last month, raising a record $13,756,347.50 for the kids. To learn more about THON's year-long efforts or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video, if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. So let's talk about corners. As I mentioned uh, earlier on, last year, this was a position that everybody across the board was like, Feeling pretty good about it. Tariq Castro Fields, who uh, tested out of his mind, by the way, at the NFL draft, good for him, uh, NFL combine, excuse me, um, was holding down the fort uh, at one of the uh, cornerback, uh, starting cornerback spots. And then Joey Porter Jr. was somebody who obviously has a ton of ability, but he's got to learn to get rid of the penalties and be better at the point of contact, hand fighting with wide receivers. And then you mentioned it moments ago, Daquan Hardy, in my opinion, the best nickel corner in the Big Ten, maybe. Uh, he he was outstanding. So coming into this year, uh, you're obviously losing Tariq Castro-Fields. So my question to you is, you've got this battle between Kalen King, uh, Johnny Dixon, and, and Marquise Wilson, who uh, Marquise Wilson's a guy for years. We've all been like, oh, he's a great athlete, but where does he fit on this team? And I feel like we're asking that question every single season. But yeah. the positive thing is that recently on social media, associate head coach Terry Smith uh, said that Kalen King has been, quote, dominating during the winter workout period. So how do you feel if it was Porter, King, Hardy as your three starting corners? Well, we talked a lot about that. You know, coaches giving players shout outs, you know, on social media or giving them the, you know, defensive player of the day award or the offensive player of the day award or whatever it may be. Look, I think, you know, as much as that is just trying to make players feel good and things like that, it is it is a little important, I guess, in a sense, you know, to this guy deserves a shout out. He's doing something right, you know. Um, but for a guy like Kalen King, man, you know, uh, I think 
he understands that, you know, this is how I have to do it. I have to do everything. I can't just be another guy here throughout these workouts. I have to dominate these workouts, knowing a position is up for grabs, right? And I think it's expected from a guy like King, a young talent, um, you know, who has shown, you know, at times that he can be a really good player. Um, you know, and I think if he understands, you know, again, what's at stake there, because you look at Daquan Hardy, everybody expects him to make that move to be the full-time corner. But what we were just talking about here, you want to go into a nickel package or dime package or whatever it may be. Does Daquan Hardy bump into the nickel spot and do you bring Kalen King in? And you do it like that, or is Kalen King, you know, good enough to be that full-time corner? And then you play more nickel with Daquan Hardy in there because of how good he was last year and how comfortable he was in that position, Tom. I mean, we've been huge fans of him on this yeah. podcast. Week after week, it always seemed like he was making a big play defensively. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, what they decide to do, you know, with, uh, with a couple of those guys or even, you know, somebody else that, that could be unexpected. But one of the things I think we need to look for is to see how Joey Porter Jr. continues to develop, mm -hmm. right? Obviously at times last year, especially towards the end of the year, production tailed off a little bit, right? More flags, things like that. Everything points to him being a first round guy after this year. Right. It does. But I think the spring is massive for him to emerge as a true shutdown corner in the Big Ten, which he can do. And if he can do it, it's going to help whoever you put opposite him tremendously because you can then leave Porter Jr. on an island. You can cheat safeties over the top to the Hardy side or the King side. You can roll coverage. You can get as crazy as you want because you know Joy Porter Jr. is locking down one side of the field. This helps Manny Diaz again tremendously. It creates so many different options for this defense. Um, so, you know, for again, I, talk, I mentioned this earlier, uh, uh, you know, for all talented some of these guys are, it's just about finding the right spots and it's finding out how these guys can develop and where they fit. You know, it's like putting a puzzle together. And, you know, Manny Diaz has been doing it for a long time. Um, so this this is going to be one of the funner spots to watch to watch play out. The nickel package as a base, I, I think, genuinely makes a lot of sense. And, and here's why, because. Last year, you know, we talked about obviously the base is a four-two-five, so you got two linebackers. However, oftentimes it was really more of a four-three personnel in that you'd have Brooks, Jacobs, and Brandon Smith out there. Mm -hmm. Brandon Smith, more often than not, was put in that slot position, not to play corner, but to just play the flat and to play zone. He struggled there. I don't think Brandon Smith necessarily had the the, the season on tape that he would have liked, and now he's trying to prove himself going into the National Football League. You almost feel better for the reasons we just outlined about the the lack of depth at linebacker, making sure it's just two linebackers on the field at any given time. Let's say it's Jacobs and Sutherland, and then you lean on Daquan Hardy a little bit more mm -hmm. than maybe you did last season. Grant, we saw him a ton. We did see a lot of the nickel formation, but what do you think about that maybe kind of supplementing what the lack of ability there might yeah. be at linebacker? Well, it depends on who you have a corner, right? Do you have two guys good enough to where you could be able to do that? Or is it more, it's like, listen, it's Daquan Hardy and the gap between him and everyone else is huge at this cornerback spot, right? So I think it, it, it depends if you can find multiple guys that can get on the field for you and play well. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we talked about the, the issues and questions in terms of pass rushers. 
Yep. There's a huge benefit from how solid that starting rotation was for the defensive line. And it helped out that secondary. And at the same time, it was a very good secondary. So that was a nice one-two punch. I don't expect that to be the case this season unless something unforeseen happens. Hopefully Adisa Isaac steps up. Maybe Deny Dennis Sutton is a guy who comes in early. Zane Durant comes in and gets some stuff done. Who knows? Um, but the corners could be tested a little bit more than what we saw last season. Uh, and that's going to lean a little bit more on the safety position. And the fortunate thing for all Penn State fans is that uh, Jair Brown, Tig Brown, is back from last season, number one in uh, interceptions last season for this defense. Um, from all reports, it sounds like Tig Brown has tacked on a little bit of size, a little bit of mass. And he was the guy who was able to kind of uh, play center field, I guess is the way you could put it, that Jaquan Brisker we talked about loves to be near the ball, near the line of scrimmage, can play in the box, could literally do everything, which was the beauty of Jaquan Brisker. You don't have that anymore, but it sounds like Tig is trying to step up and kind of change his body a little bit, maybe change his game. So Chuck Losey has been very complimentary of what he's done. So now you're looking at, okay, Sutherland's moved a linebacker officially. The other safeties, you're looking at Keaton Ellis, Jalen Reed, and Zaki Wheatley. How do you feel about that potential tandem, I'll, I'll project it, of Brown and Ellis because Keaton Ellis did get a fair amount of playing time last year? Yeah, you know, I think when you got like Keaton Ellis, when you move from corner to safety in your career, I mean, is it telling us that like he can't cover really well? So we got to put him at the safety spot. He's talent, talented enough to play back there. He can help in the run game. Um, you know, But for me, Tom, I think it's going to be Jalen Reed. I think the reps and the playing time he got last year were massive. He's a physical guy. He can run. And they did the opposite with him that they did with, with Kobe King. When you burn someone's redshirt, they burn Jalen Reed's redshirt. When you do that, it's telling us, listen, this guy can play right now. Just needs to get out there, you know, see how the game progresses, you know, feel the game, understand the game. It's telling us that. This dude is going to play, and this dude is going to be a big part of their future plans. Um, I think if he continues to develop throughout the spring, summer, and training camp, I think it's a combination of Brown and Reed. And there's uh, the potential that many people have pointed to is that it's going to be Reed and Wheatley for years to come at Penn State, which is encouraging. Yeah. Um, but then you, and you look into the greater picture of what the secondary is. What is the biggest gap that you see amongst those potential yeah. five starting defensive backs that we just outlined? I think it goes back to what you're doing with Daquan Hardy and whoever else is behind him. Because I think that really affects how you play defense as a whole, especially that 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 back seven. Um, you know, again, if if King can be that corner. I think you spend a lot more time playing nickel because of the uncertainty at the linebacker spot and how comfortable Daquan Hardy is playing that that nickel role. Um, you know, I, that's something to really keep keep an eye on. Again, see how see how Joey Porter Jr. continues to develop because if he really develops into not just one of the best you know corners in the Big Ten, but one of the best in America, I mean, you, you can get as crazy as you want in that secondary with the rest of those guys. Spring practice starts uh, this coming Monday. As I mentioned, the NCAA permits 15 practices in a 34-day window. Blue-white game is April 23rd. Um, it, considering we did the outline of the offense last week and, and the defense this week, how much pressure do you think there's going to be on Manny Diaz to get the defense to the same level of production that we saw last year, at least in that neighborhood? A lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look, there definitely is. I mean, you know, and especially a guy that isn't just coming in to be the defensive coordinator. He's coming in to be the linebacker coach as well. And we all know how high of a standard Penn State holds their linebackers too. And in a year where defensively, you know, depending on how you look at it, the main focus could be what you're doing at the linebacker spot. Um, you know, this is huge for Manny Diaz. You know, he's been a fantastic D coordinator throughout his entire career. You know, obviously, he's been had mixed reviews um, about his career a, a, as a head coach. Um, but I think for him, and you got to remember, this is the first his first time coaching in the Big Ten, right? It, it, Big Ten football is different, Tom. Right? I, I I really think it is. So it's going to be interesting to see how he just that how he handles that. But I think for a guy like Manny Diaz, again, somebody who's had a very accomplished career to be a linebacker coach for, for over 20 years, to have the chance to not just call the defense at Penn State, but to coach some of the best linebackers or what always has the potential to be some of the best linebackers in America. I think this is, it seems like this was a job that, or one of the jobs that you look for um, when you have a defensive you know, linebacking background. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be fun to see how this plays out. Um, it's going to make for an interesting spring. In terms of the overall potential, now, as I mentioned, we talked about offense last week, defense uh, this week. Uh, in a one-word answer, I'll address both of these, all right? So for the offense, Matt McGloin, are you excited or worried? Offensively, I am worried. And, and again, oh, do you want me to elaborate? Uh, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Knock uh, yourself out. <laughs> no, no, we, we look, we talked about it last week on the last podcast. You know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm concerned a bit over the offensive line. I'm concerned about the run game. And the reason I'm concerned about the run game is because there was no growth there in 2021, right? It was the same thing every single week, right? It was like, it was like Groundhog Day when it came to the run game where, where there, there was no adjustments made. We're watching the same thing every single week so what right now is to tell me that that's going to change here in the spring and moving forward nothing i'm concerned or i'm worried as to what they're going to do at the quarterback spot as well is it going to be clifford for the long run or if he struggles are you going to yank him and and you're going to put put a young buck in there to play that all depends on what the offensive line looks like and then uh Excited or worried about the defense? I'm excited about the defense um, because I think there's a ton of talent there. It's just about putting it all together. I'm excited to watch Manny Diaz coach this defense. Um, I'm excited to watch these players develop under Manny Diaz. And I use the word develop because that is what I want to see Manny Diaz do. I want him to, I want to see him develop these young players so that we see, you know, a steady increase in production week in and week out year in and year out, because I think that's one thing that has been missing um, from Penn state football as a whole time. And it's, it's really developing players and allowing us to see that right before our eyes. Spring practice starts this coming Monday. Blue white game is right around the corner. Uh, everybody enjoy St. Patrick's day tomorrow. God knows I will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy March Madness. So uh, he's Matt McGloin. I'm Tom Hannafin. We'll see you next week on Pater.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.